Covey, before I start speaking, or not sure, Ian? I've got a thumbs up, so I think they are. Good. <clears throat> so this morning we turn to the third in our, in our four messages. I think Hugh Anson is here next Sunday <coughs> bringing the fourth message in this series. And this is really just looking at the, the, the place for a healing ministry in the church. Um, two weeks ago, uh, you may remember Esther Matthews opened talking about the relationship between prayer and healing. <clears throat> and last week, Brian uh, thought to answer the question, why did Jesus heal? But this morning, we turn to another question. Actually, I need my slide up, actually. Thank you very much, Ian. I'll, I'll, I will, I'll click. I'll hold it. I'll, I'll hopefully click at the right time. But the question on this slide is, what is the place of the healing ministry in the church of today? And I think one of the things we need to recognize um, that there are very diverse views across the Christian spectrum about the place of healing in the church. We need to recognize that. I know you as a church come from quite diverse backgrounds. Some of you are, are Baptists, but you actually come from many different backgrounds. And I'm not, it's wonderful that you do, by the way. Don't misunderstand me. But different traditions do understand the role of healing in the church in different ways as well. We end, you know, there's quite a spectrum. At one end of the spectrum, you've got people who basically say healing within the church is purely an historical thing. It's purely something God did at certain events, at certain times in history. Uh, these tend to be called dispensationalists, to use a really old title. But they believe it's historical. It's in the past. Not really relevant for today and for us as we gather. At the other end of the spectrum, you can go to churches where, you know, people are far concerned. Less healing is always present in the congregation, always present in every service. Something's dramatically wrong. <coughs> and they are called triumphalists, all right? I would suggest that I tend to sit more somewhere between these two. Right? I'm not saying either one are necessarily wrong. I just don't know. As I read the Bible and as I live as a Christian and as I live the Christian life, I think something in the middle is probably closer to where we are. I think it's also, the reason I, rate, I mention that is it's good to examine yourself, what your own thoughts and feelings about an understanding of healing is as well. Um, because if you're ever going to pray for someone for healing, you need to understand where you are in that spectrum to start with. You know, there's no point coming to God to pray for something you don't believe is going to happen. No faith in that. So there's quite a lot of theology goes into it, but the bottom line thing is, do we approach this topic with fear or faith? Do we come along and go, don't know about this? Or do we come going, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to step out in faith as well. And what I want to try and do this morning is just try and explore some of that. And I know earlier speakers might have done a little bit of this as well, um, but hopefully I'll bring some additional things to it as well. We'll wait and see. <clears throat> My understanding of healing as I read the Bible is that it's not just about my body. You know, my body's important, it's quite very helpful sometimes. All right? But it's about body, mind and spirit. It's about all we are. All right? I, the other word that I always think about when I'm thinking about healing is shalom. You know, the Jewish word, understanding of shalom, is a much bigger thing than just peace, as it were. It's a, it's a, it's a wholeness. We don't really have a word for it, but it's a, it's a, it's a very complete thing. Um, but biblical healing is very much... A matter of wholeness. You know, so we often can talk about medical healing, we could talk about miraculous healing, 
We could talk about just natural heating, where the body seems to sort itself out and get on and move. Personally, I, my position on this is all that healing is, is, is under God, as it were. You know, whether we, we receive our healing through the NHS or we receive our healing through someone laying hands on us, you know, I thank God for that. And I think it's right to do so. You know, so the science of the, of the medical healing is not above God. You know, God is above the science of our medical healing. But we also, as we think about healing, need to remind ourselves as well, I think, that at times the healing that God wishes to provide is the grace to face what still might come. You know, God is not just a simplistic God who just says, yep, healed, healed. You know, you know, there's much more to what God is seeking in our lives and in the whole church. And there are times where you know, we don't receive immediate grief, uh, relief from the, the troubles we're in. But God does provide the grace to face what lies ahead. So I'm going to break this down a little bit. And the first thing I want to do, from my point of view, you know, I firmly believe God heals today. That's where I stand in this spectrum. I don't believe God heals every time we ask him to heal. And I don't believe it's, not, it's just purely some historical idea. I believe God heals today. And I'm going to tell you why. Right? So there's a little bit of a personal testimony here. So that, that, that's the, the text. The text uh, we, we read. Has that gone? Has it worked? Uh, next one? No, no, I just want the next slide. Good. We work here now, or if I. Oh, it'll work. I'm, I'm, I'm away. Great, lovely. So the text, that text in, in James, actually, I think that turned up as well in the, uh, the text that Esther was given a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that's not a, not a problem at all. Now, when I was in, in Ewhurst Baptist Church, was where I was a pastor, and that was like I'd come out of 30-something years of the IT work, you know, computing-type work, and I trained as a pastor in my early 50s, and I went into to Ewhurst Baptist Church. So um, <clears throat> this lady uh, who I'm thinking about is uh, following various scans. She'd been told... But they revealed that she had a number of tumours in her abdomen that uh, required an immediate radiotherapy treatment. In other words, they were, they were seen as serious and life-threatening as well. And just to complicate the matter, this lady also suffered from a heart condition which was inoperable, but which just meant that basically the treatment she needed to receive was actually even higher risk. Okay, so that's, that's, that's where she was. And... and um, she started the radiotherapy treatment, but actually after a matter, I think of only one or two sessions, she realised she just could not cope. She just could not cope. And she stepped aside from it. So as far as she is concerned, doctors were concerned, well, OK, you've chosen the route you want to now go down. And she was sitting at home and she read that passage from James. If any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to come and pray over them, anoint them, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will make that sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. So she read this, and then you know, she turned around to me, the pastor, right? And she said, well, you know, can you get some people together to, to pray for me? Um, now, it's not that simple, right? <clears throat> Here I was, right? I'd never done this before. I'd learned a bit about it at college, but I certainly had never been there. Um, we were in a Baptist church, obviously, and like this church here, we didn't have elders, so I had deacons, but I don't know if that was a, a big problem, but there we go. Um, I wasn't really quite sure what this prayer of faith was meant to be either. You know, James talks about this prayer of faith. 
And as I said, I'd never, I'd never actually done it, so it was very inexperienced. But like her, I read that scripture, and in prayer I could find no good reason not to step out in faith and fear, maybe, both together, and actually act obediently in accordance with God's word. Forgive me, but my personal choice would be no thank you, but it seemed like this is the way I was going to go. So we, we planned for a healing service in her home, because she's home, uh, confined to her home. And I invited a couple of deacons along, and I invited a couple of other church members along, uh, just people I knew who had a heart for praying for this individual. Um, and we started, we read that passage, and uh, in response to that passage, we had a time of confession, just sort of putting aside all those things that could get between us and God. Um, and then I prepared to anoint her head with olive oil, just very simply, finger in a little dish and just anointing her head with the cross and praying for her. And we just went around the group of people just praying as they felt led. We, we had quite a lot of silence in there as well. Now, I thought maybe that, you know, she funny, at one stage, she's going to leap up and tell me, I'm healed. And it didn't happen like that. It didn't happen like that at all. Um, at the end of it all, um, we, uh, she thanked us for being there. And we left. And I must admit, with my inexperience, I walked out there feeling a mixture of emotions, ranging from doubt to disappointment to, to whatever, but just wondering what, what I'd done wrong, probably. You know, I immediately thought, it must be me. That was a mistake. Two weeks later, um, she came up to me rather excitedly and told me that following another scan, the tumours had been found effectively to have disappeared, very, very largely diminished altogether, and to the extent that she no longer needed radiotherapy. It was no longer a medical issue, and they'd gone. You know, there you go. I mean, that experience helped me personally to realise that God does still heal, often in very everyday settings, ordinary settings. No, you don't need you know, to be in a special setting. He can use an inexperienced pastor. That's me, by the way. He can use an inexperienced prayer team, all right? But just people who are willing to step out in faith in obedience to his word. That's it. It's as simple as that. In that healing ministry, we came to God recognising how empty-handed we were. And that's a fear. We, we realise we bring nothing. And often this is the case in pastoral work. You think, well, I'm bringing nothing, so why am I even bothering to be here? Uh, but but that's, that's not the point. When we bring nothing, we are much more dependent on God uh, himself. But we come empty-handed, bringing nothing but a step of faith. And God in that situation chose to hear and chose to answer our prayers. And so that's really why I picked that one. <laughs> Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and your faithfulness. Yeah. Quite a few years after that, I uh, led that lady's funeral. And she'd lived well and fruitfully for the Lord for a number of years since her uh, healing. Um, and it was actually her heart condition that finally carried her away. The cancer never really reappeared as a problem. So I, I just put that on the table to start with because I think... It's important you know, to, to understand where, why I feel as I feel. I don't feel God heals every time, but I know God heals. 
and there's other examples I could have spoken of as well. But it's not always God's will to heal. Sometimes he has other plans. And looking at the scriptures, sometimes sickness is clearly there to help us mature. How we respond to a situation is of great interest to God. How we become more Christ-like is of great interest to God. I mean, just as an example, in John 9, Jesus healed a man born blind. And his disciples said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why was he blind? And Jesus said, neither this man or his parents sinned, but this has happened so that the work of God may be displayed in his life. And that is sometimes the case, that God makes himself known in someone's life and through someone's life, sometimes through suffering. Romans 8.28, Paul sums it up, all things work for the good purpose of maturing us to look like Jesus. But some sickness is a, a discipline. It's a sense of judgment and wrath of God for sin. The writer to the Hebrews 12.11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a crop, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And again, we might remember in Acts 5, how Luke recalls Ananias and Sapphira, how they lied to the Holy Spirit, and God actually took their mortal lives away. So I think that some sicknesses, we need to remember, are the indication that our God-given years are drawing to a close. We need to remember that we are mortal. The psalmist, Psalm 139, 16, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Yet we all know people who get ill, loved ones and friends for whom we pray and pray and pray, and yet at times we need to recognise that their mortal life is drawing to its natural end. Ecclesiastes 12.7 The dust returns to the ground from which it came and the spirit returns to God who gave it. And I think the reason I say this is, I think this is why it's also important. When we pray for someone for healing, we do listen for God as well. To seek to discern God's perfect way and will in every situation. Often what we initially ask for in healing may not be what God wills for us. It is often both through the word and the spirit that God informs and then shapes our prayers. So prayers for healing need to be prayed with two ears and one mouth. We need to be listening as well as praying. I'm not morbid when I say we're all going to die someday, unless, of course, Jesus returns in the meantime. But I think there are many situations when we're dealing with healing prayer, when the time comes to stop praying for healing and to begin praying for God's grace instead. But then also in James 5, he talks about this prayer of faith. And we do, again with this, need to understand God's will and intentions. A prayer of faith is not a, like a leap into the unknown. It's not, it's not just lots of positive thinking. It doesn't just mean believing something so strongly you think you can make it come true, or that God must do what we want. 
The prayer of faith doesn't rely on our emotions, feelings or desires. It is simply based on faith, our faith in God's word. Paul talked about not being conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, so that we might be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And I think that instruction that comes from Romans 12.2 is relevant to when we pray for healing. But we come, as I said, humbly. You're seeking God's right way in this, not telling God what to do. Healing prayers need to be shaped not by our rather worldly agendas, but by God's word illuminated by the Spirit. When I pray for people for healing, I've got to be honest, normally I don't have any idea what I really should be praying about. Though I often would ask God for a full recovery with no problems or complications, I always try and pray for discernment that I might submit to God's will in my prayers. And I think, therefore, as we pray for healing, we are asking, we're inviting the Holy Presence of God, the Spirit of God, into that situation so that he, God might be God, that God might be sovereign, his will done, and that he might heal in his time and through his means. But having said all that, I think God heals in his own time in a variety of different ways. And I want to put in a little health warning here. I've chosen this Jeremiah text to try and sort of summarise this. Um, I want to make the point that prayers for healing are not intended to replace medical attention to which we are so blessed to have access, free access in our society. Occasionally I encounter Christians who seem to be afraid that they shouldn't seek a medical help, that it like, symbolises a lack of faith or something. But let me say very clearly, from my point of view, going to a doctor does not invalidate earnest faith. We need to avoid extremes. We need to avoid the extreme to pray with faith and refuse medical attention. And we need to avoid the other, <coughs> me, avoid the other extreme, which is to turn to medical health, help and forget to pray. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, uh, Paul talks about the gifts of healings. He talks in the plural, like healings in the plural. And I think it reminds us that God uses a variety of methods to heal. I mean, just examples of scripture. Occasionally healing is spoken and directly. Peter, in Acts 3, verse 6, he says to the lame man, I don't have any money, no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And the man gets up and walks. There are times where we have examples in scriptures where people lay hands on the sick, anoint them. In Acts 28, verse 8, we read, his, the father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and distancy. Paul went to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. And then sometimes, like the man born blind in John 9, people are healed immediately. <clears throat> It seems there's no one time or no one way for God to fulfill his promise to heal. And because of that, a question that is sometimes asked is how long should we keep praying? But I would suggest we keep praying until we feel God is saying, stop. 
don't pray any longer. Jesus definitely encouraged his disciples to be persistent in prayer. And yet we have examples in the scriptures where Paul, for example, pleaded to God again and again and again for the thorn to be taken from him, as it were. And God says, no, I won't take away the thorn, but my grace is sufficient for you. That's 2 Corinthians 12. Three times Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> so whilst we, can send, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. whilst we can spend so much time praying for our bodies to be well, we need to also remember that God is much more concerned with our spirits, with our souls and their maturity. Our soul, which is eternal, is much more precious to God than our bodies, which are only here for a season. In fact, looking through the scriptures, I can't find any place where Paul actually prays for physical healing, particularly. He prays again and again and again in most of his letters for the development, the internal development and maturity of his reading, of his readers. So just to close, I thought I'd put this slide up here. Uh, we're often quite familiar with the, from the Old Testament names of God, Jehovah Jireh, God who provides. But also there's also an Old Testament name for the God who heals, Jehovah Rapha. Personally, I believe there's still very much a place for healing ministry within today's church. And you don't need qualified people to do it. You need faithful people to do it. And we just approach it in faith, not fear, not fear, not feeling qualified and experts in any shape or form, but in obedience to the word, we approach it in faith. But we avoid a superficial understanding of Jehovah Rapha, some sort of quick fix God. Because when we have a very superficial understanding of healing, sooner or later we will be disappointed. Sooner or later we will just doubt and lose faith in God's ability to heal just because he will not answer our prayers simplistically. We need to always remember that healing ministry is part of the life and the work of a church. It's a much bigger picture, one that is always subject to God's will, God's way, in God's good time. If a ministry of healing, healing ministry is first and foremost, I think, one that calls on God for his all-sufficient grace in the situation we currently face. So I would encourage us as a church to pray for healing, wherever it seems the right thing to pray for, in Jesus' name, expecting great things of God, but knowing also the greatest healing is to be found, knowing our prayers are heard, and in finding the person at peace in God's presence. The shalom peace of God in body, mind, and soul. But as always, to God be the glory. Great things he has done and great things he continues to do. Amen. <clears throat>